Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 477. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Oh, hello. I feel like it's been, I don't know how many weeks, how many weeks do we have off? Like two? But it feels three. like it always, three, oh, three. Oh my God. That, that might've been the longest break we've had for quite a while. I feel like it's been forever. It does feel that way. It feels, it feels good to be back. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about the action horror comedy Renfield, which is out now on VOD. Also be going over some more we're watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to uh, send us a review on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Uh, let's talk about Renfield. This is directed by Chris McKay. I have a synopsis here. Having grown sick and tired of his centuries as Dracula's lackey, Renfield finds a new lease on life and maybe even redemption when he falls for feisty, uh, perennially angry traffic cop Rebecca Quincy. So this stars Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Cage, and Aquafina. Ben Schwartz is in there as well. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. What do you think of Renfield? <laughs> I have a feeling I don't know how you feel. What what a what a movie to come back to, you know? Like after a, after a little break, come back to Renfield. Renfield. Uh, Renfield. Uh, there was a, first things first is I I didn't really know what this was. Like I knew Nicolas Cage was in it. I knew he played Dracula, but I didn't exactly know what genre this movie was going to be. And I gotta say. It starts off in a way that I hate. I hate when things are just like way too frenetic. Like it just, it's top speed right off the bat. You got the voiceover, you got a shit ton of action happening. You got so much editing and freeze frames. Yeah, it's like more voiceover. It's just it started off way too much. It was just too much. It was like uh, sensory overload. It's like one of those record scratch openings where it starts off like in the middle of an action scene, and you know you have like a freeze frame with a hang on. Let's rewind a little bit. Yeah, and it's like and- that is such a tired trope. Like I'm I'm so sick of that method of storytelling. Like just tell the story. Why do we got it? Like, it's not stylistic. It's not fun. It's not interesting. We don't need that type of intro anymore. Yeah. So, that, I mean, start off on the wrong foot, right? Because there's just that. And I'm just like, I, I can't handle this. This is too much. The, the movie's coming on too strong. You know, I can't handle it. Uh, and then Nicolas Cage turns into smoke and makes a guy explode. Mm hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. I hear you. Yeah. Come I, back you around on it a little bit there. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go on this journey together. And that's essentially how I felt about the film is that it's absolute garbage in a lot of ways. Most ways. Like 95%. And then there's 5% of these moments where I'm like, yeah, this is fun. I am a hundred. I am right there with you. There was so much that I didn't like about this movie, and I think that it just had so many fundamental problems. And in many ways, it was just so generic. But there were these little splashes of just pure gory fun, and like 
so yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It, it was, it's definitely a mixed bag and I, I think it's the action that, that really s- tries to save this one. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that you could change about this and it would work. A, let's just be silly the whole time. Like the whole codependent support group thing. Yeah, that's a big just, thing. Stop, stop, stop. That's so fucking ridiculous and not in a good way. Just annoying as hell. Uh, Nicholas Holt, I don't like him. I can't stand this guy. I don't know why. Just I like him. About. I like him, but uh, yeah. Uh, Aquafina shows up, and I was like, "Oh, Aquafina's gonna have a little role as a as a cop, right?" But no, she's like a big part of this, mm-hmm. and uh, that was ill advised. I think shouldn't have done that because I thought she was really bad in this. It's a weird role she, for her. Yeah, and she just seemed super awkward, like the whole movie. Like it just like the way that she like carried herself, like her posture and everything was just like, I don't know. It's, it's just such kinda, a bad performance. It's kind of tip. I mean, it's kind of like her thing, but yeah, it's it is strange that you would put her as a as a cop and in what is essentially an action move, an action role, and it is it is kind of weird because like I think like her character is it favors the action over the comedy, like with her character specifically. And I think that I think Aquafina is funny. And I think that she, I I like her, but I, yeah, I'm just not exactly sure that this was the right fit for her. And it, it seemed extremely unnecessary to add the whole, like her father thing. Yeah. That was kind of weird. It's just like, we, I don't think we need that. Because he didn't really do anything with it anyways. He just brought it up like once in a blue moon. Be like, yeah, there's a history here. Just uh, yeah. so much of it. But once it goes into action mode, full gore, you know, full tilt gore-wise, and, you you know, the, the story just goes away, you're like, hey, this is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the action choreography is, is quite good. It's I think that the action scenes are well shot. And, uh, yeah, I did like the over-the-top gore moments i think that they really did a good job capitalizing on like the dracula powers in this and yeah i so i thought all of the the action scenes were clever and fun and everything else i thought was (laughs) severely lacking and i hated Mm -hmm. everything else that's that's pretty much what it boils down to action fun everything in between horrible and i hated i hated the visuals i thought that it was an ugly ugly movie that felt extremely dated and in a lot of ways i feel like everything in this movie felt dated like the beginning like the opening scene and stuff it felt like it was a superhero movie from like the early 2000s to me where like a like a joel schumacher batman and robin or something like that where everything is like neon like everything's lit up green in this and it you have these like, kind of hyper stylized moments and i just felt like uh in some of these scenes i should have been hearing like a danny elfman you know like a an eight, late 80s 90s danny elfman like something like that happening in this movie yeah yeah i i completely agree cuz it, it just is- 
I hated I hated all the cinematography in this except again the the I thought the action scenes were well shot but like just the color palette of this movie is just garbage to me uninspired so much yeah there's just so much of this is absolute dog shit terrible Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the makeup work with specifically with with Dracula with with Cage. Uh, th- I thought that that looked good. Um, I thought that there was an over reliance on CG in this, specifically with the gore. Like all the blood and gore in yeah. this was was CG, and like sometimes it looked okay because it was so over the top that that's, like that's, like that's, you didn't really care that it was CG. Yeah. That's what I, that was one thing that I was going to say is that you know, we've talked about CGI blood before and how ridiculous it looks, but I love that they kind of turned this into like not necessarily blood, but of like a, a slurry. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like all all the organs and blood mixed together. Yeah, sloshing all over the place like yeah. a fucking strawberry daiquiri. It's great. I thought that what, yeah, there, there's just so many. Everything about this movie hinges on this whole codependence, narcissism thing. And I just think, like, on paper, it seems like kind of a fun idea to, to like, put that kind of spin on the whole Dracula-Renfield relationship. But in execution, I feel like it just doesn't really work. It's not really funny to me at all. (laughs) And it's not really particularly entertaining either. And I and I also feel like they didn't quite capitalize enough on the whole like Dracula Renfield relationship. Like that they're just I feel like there wasn't enough there between the two of them to have such a such a focus on him trying to break away from this this relationship. I would definitely agree with that too. Now that you mention it. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like there was enough between... It seems like there was more of a, a character development between um, Renfield and Aquafina's character than there was between Renfield and Dracula. Yep. Which I don't think we needed. I don't think we needed that. Nope. Yeah, uh, Chris, Mc, Chris McKay is kind of an interesting director. He did The Tomorrow War, which uh, came out last year was it uh, well this is 2021 so i guess that's when it came out uh which is very bad that was the one with chris pratt uh, the sci-fi one where they it's like time traveling uh and then he he did like the lego batman movie which was quite good i liked that a lot and he did a bunch of stuff for robot chicken and he's got a uh, he's he's attached to direct the johnny quest movie hmm <laughs> So, you know, I don't, is tomorrow war two coming out uh yeah apparently there is a tomorrow war two coming out but uh not, not, not sure how that well, happened maybe it was greenlit before the first one came out to be right must that uh, must be i don't know this is this, is this uh doesn't say when it's coming out I'm, I'm i imagine that everything's getting messed up now because of the writer's strike I just like I don't remember this at all. I don't Renfield? remember anyone. No, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I just I don't remember the Tomorrow War. It was dropped on Amazon Prime, so it it okay. didn't. It was one of those movies where it didn't it didn't come out in 
uh, maybe maybe it had some kind of limited theatrical run or something, but I, I remember watching it on Amazon Prime. It was like an Amazon movie, uh, yeah. Amazon Prime original. I just don't like. I don't remember this. I don't like the pictures that I'm seeing. Don't jog my memory. I don't remember anyone talking about this. Yeah, it was 138 minutes long. It, it, it's very bad, and apparently it cost 200 million dollars to make, Jesus which is Christ. insane. <laughs> uh, Completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The alien what? sci-fi time travel movie. I re- I remember almost nothing about it too, which is kind of funny. It looks like that. Type it of is. Movie. It's a very forgettable type of generic sci-fi movie. All right. Anything else you want to add about Renfield? Oh, but the thing I will say about Nicholas Holt is that for some reason, his character was reminding me of his character in that warm bodies movie, which I absolutely hated. So that was another (laughs) thing that, that was like eating away at me the whole time. I just kept thinking about warm bodies and how much I despised that movie. Yeah. There was just something about like voiceover. Oh, the yes, I, I will. I didn't comment on the voiceover. It was horrible. It was completely unnecessary. I don't know why it was in here. I hated every moment. I did like. I did like at the beginning when he was sort of recapping his the early days and how they they made it look like the early Dracula films. I thought that mm-hmm. that was cool. That was a good effect, and it looked it looked really good how they how they made those. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it would have been cool to do the entire movie like that that would have that would have been something interesting it would be interesting to do a old style dracula but with but have exactly have the have the modern fighting style in there that would have been really cool i think that's something that's missing well obviously it is (laughs) because i don't know if if it does exist but i just want to see you know, because like in the twenties and thirties, they didn't have the technology, you know, to make people explode. Yeah, or have people's heads explode or get punched off. So I'd like to see that in thirty styling. You know. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, alas, what we are left with here is a very uh, dated-looking, fucking green and red lit thing that just kind of sucks and is horrible looking. Yeah, and annoying, too. It's just annoying in a lot of ways. All right, let's go ahead and give this thing a score. What are you going to give Renfield out of 10? Out of 10, I'll give it a 3. I'm sitting at a 3. Yeah, I'm sitting at a 3 on this one as well. 3, 3.5, somewhere around there. The thing is, the action is good, and it's really fun, but it, it... it's not it's not like there's enough of it to be yeah, like well you just all... you know it's not like Ong Bak or something where it's like yeah the 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 narrative sucks but you should still watch it because the action's really good. Yeah. It, it's no, it's it, not there's... it's not at that level. So No, because all the bridges to the action are bad. Yeah. And then Nicholas Holt's not like if it wasn't ridiculously gory, it would suck. But a guy does explode, guy gets his head punched off, arms get ripped off, another dude gets ripped in half. Like, that's fun. But if you didn't have that, ooh. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty rough. It'd be really rough. It'd be a hard watch. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, that's Renfield. Again, that is uh, on VOD now. That had a theatrical run for, for a Insane. minute there. But Crazy. I think it's still in theaters, actually, in, in a lot of right. places. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I believe it is my turn, if I remember correctly. Uh, all right, so I was traveling last week, and uh, I ended up watching a bunch of kind of I caught up with, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to start with uh, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, so I, I was able to go to the theater, check out Evil Dead Rise. It's directed by Lee Cronin. Uh, it's the the latest in the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, and this was quite good. Uh, and I definitely recommend Evil Dead Rise, especially if you're a fan of the franchise. It is a good entry in the series. I wouldn't say that it's like, you know, on, on the same level as the original evil dead or evil dead two. And I think that I still like the remake more than this, but this is good. Nonetheless, I was worried about it. So the premise here is that it turns out that there's three books of the dead, not just the one. And one of the three books is it ends up in the basement of this high rise apartment building and an earthquake causes the book to sort of be be unearthed and this the these kids find the book and uh you know unleash unleash the evil and it, it gets into their mom and uh turns their mom into you know one of the deadites and uh they have to get they have to escape so, you know, it's, it's your pretty standard Evil Dead stuff. Uh, there's a lot of really cool camera work in here that, that harkens back to the Sam Raimi original. Like, they, they did some really clever things with, like, framing and positioning of the camera and, and mo- camera movements and stuff. It's a very creepy movie. There's a lot of, like, kind of crazy jump scares. It's very intense. It never lets up. Um, which is what you would hope for with an Evil Dead movie. It's extremely gory. Again, what you would hope for with an Evil Dead movie. So yeah, uh, I I liked it quite a bit. Um, I'm kind of anxious to rewatch this one. So Evil Dead Rise definitely worth checking out. Good to hear. I heard people saying good things about it, and I was kind of like, eh, I, yeah, good? I didn't know. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know about this, but yeah, it, it worked out. There, there's definitely some criticisms I have with it. Like, I feel like they didn't capitalize on the whole idea of it being in a high-rise building enough because for the most part, it just takes place in one apartment in that high-rise and, like, the hallway. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been cooler if, like, it took place in on, like, multiple floors and multiple apartments, that type of thing. But it's it's still a pretty good time. And there's some, there's some very uh, cringe-inducing moments in in this movie, like very uh, very uneasy moments <laughs> for sure. I cannot remember if I talked about the psychic. I don't think Fulci. so. Fulci's the psychic from no. 1977. No, you, okay. you you definitely didn't. Okay, so this is on Tubi, and. This movie starts off with a woman 
thrown herself off of a cliff, which uh, Fulci likes to do in his movies, apparently. And it looks terrible because you can tell, you know, dummy, hundred percent, like two hundred percent, that it's a dummy. Like it's so ridiculous. But there's a part of you that's like, it's better this way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the best part is, is it's this long extended sequence of this dummy falling, and anytime the dummy's face hits the cliff wall camera's got to come in for the close-up and it slows it down but it's still like even more so a dummy like the, the effects are so bad <laughs> like it's not even close so it's just like full-on close-up of this ridiculous like bust of a i don't even know like it doesn't really even look human but of course you know it scrapes the rock face and there's blood everywhere and then the camera goes back out and it's like oh it's still falling and then it's like nope Boom! Second close-up of the face scraping and more blood. I think he does that like three times before the body actually like hits the ground. So that's how it starts. And you're just like, yeah, alright, Fulci. Let's do this. But uh, this movie's just really boring. It's about this woman that kind of has this like a, like a clairvoyant, you know, seeing the future type deal. So she has this vision, right? And she's trying to make sense of the vision. And the whole movie really boils down to this. It feels like this. It's a couple things will happen. Just like, you know, people talking to each other. And then it's a quick zoom into her eyeballs. Like, quick close up. And then, like, they replay the vision again. Like, I swear they replay her vision, like, 37 times uh, throughout that. this movie. Yeah. It's just... It was just really lackluster, really a disappointment. The ending is solid, but the journey to get there is just mind-numbing. So I, I can't recommend The Psychic. Mm. It was a huge letdown for me. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That sucks. Um, another one that was kind of a surprise for me was Scream 6. This is uh, this is out now on, on VOD platforms. I think it's on Paramount+. Plus. You can... You can uh, Stream it on Paramount Plus if you have that. Uh, so this one takes the Scream franchise. It's it's a direct sequel to Scream Five. So it, it picks up very shortly uh, after maybe like a year or something. Yeah, I think it's a year after the events of Scream Five. So you have the same cast in here, which is nice. Uh, all the all the people who made it through Scream Five are are back in this one, um, and then uh, they they move to New York City, and guess what? Ghostface is uh, he's in the Big Apple, and he's he's cutting people up in the Big Apple. Oh, uh, there, uh, so this is this is the same directing duo that did Scream Five, the guys who did Ready or Not, um, and I I think that they're. These these are two really good directors, and I think that they're doing a they're taking the 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 franchise in kind of fun new directions, and this one's no no different. Uh, what they do with this one is is really interesting, and I think that they're keeping the franchise fresh. I mean, that's one thing that I'll say about the Scream series is that it always felt fresh. Even like I didn't like Scream three really. But and I think that that was the weakest one out of the whole series. But even still, they still managed to make it interesting. 
And um, th- this one, I-, I feel like there are some plot issues. There are some definite uh, plot holes in this one that are kind of glaring. Um, and then there's some like kind of logistical things, but they're pretty easy to overlook. And it's um, where where they go with it, the directions that they take. It's 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 fun. I mean, it's it's a good solid slasher movie that uh, I feel like we just don't get many movies like this these days. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out Scream Six. It is uh, it's well worth a look. <clears throat> Maybe that? one of these Halloweens, you, you when you when you do your like Halloween franchise marathons or whatever, you should you should look into this the Scream. I, I don't know how many of the Scream movies you've seen, but it's a good series. I've seen one and two, maybe. I think I saw the second one. Almost certain. Uh, I saw the second, uh, I guess, the second of the Prom Night movies. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Hell yeah. I never watched Prom Night 1. It's it's not. They're not related. I didn't think so. Also, Tubi. Got this on Tubi. And if you watch it on Tubi, I don't know how it is on Shutter, but if you watch it on Tubi, God damn, is it shit. The, the quality? quality? The video quality is, oof, Lord of mercy. It is bad. But the movie, not as bad. Halfway decent. Kind of crazy. I just love the brazenness of this movie. How it starts off in the, what is it, like the 50s? Mm-hmm. In Mary Lou. I love that, like, she's going through the prom, right? She's gonna, she, she's already hell-bent on having a great time. She's just going to do whatever makes her happy. She's going to live it up. She doesn't care about anyone else. But I love that she goes out of her way to stop at the church before going to the prom and doing a bunch of hedonistic stuff. She's just like, let me stop off at the church real quick just to to fucking troll on the (laughs) father, whatever his name is. So, you know, she goes in and she's like, I'm going to confess my sins talks all the sins and then she's just like fucking loved it i'm gonna keep doing it and then she goes to prom to do more sinning like that's just fucking badass so immediately i'm on her side i'm like i love mary lou and i just want her to have a good time because i love her attitude and uh things go south real quick real quick and then you know it gets into what is it the the present day 80s or whatever and, and everything's just fucking bizarre just a bunch of weirdo kids at this high school. And Mary Lou comes back, starts possessing people, and it's just a fucking shit show, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Just a very entertaining way. And the like the climax at the end with Mary Lou's corpse like ripping out of the person's body, like it just it's pretty much exactly what I wanted it to be. Didn't let me down. This is, yeah, this is a classic 80s horror movie. It's so good. Just so good. I just love that. Hell yeah. Um, uh, by the way, the, the if I remember correctly, the quality on Shudder is not very good either. Maybe this, I, I guess that they haven't done a remaster on this one or anything. They have to. Someone needs to. It, it's, yeah, I don't know why they haven't yet. I mean, this is a popular, this is a very much a cult movie. Like, this has quite the following, so. Yeah, it, it, and I I understand why. I understand why. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, 
I didn't like this. It's not great. It's not horrible either. It, this was kind of like middle of the road for me. I'm a huge Mario fan. I've played I've probably every game, even like Mario's Time Machine back in the NES days. Um, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the franchise. I, I love the games. It's still any, any Mario game that comes out, I pick it up. Um, so, you know, this in a lot of ways was a movie meant for fans. The level of fan service in this movie is like astronomical. I mean, it's on another level. The amount of Easter eggs and references and throwaway things that are packed into this is uh, it's it's kind of wild like just how many like you'll see like little tiny references like in the background and stuff so that's really fun and I I like that they were clearly trying to adapt all of those years of games and you know if you've played a Mario game like they're pretty wildly different from each other I mean at the end of the day like the core mechanics are sort of the same but like the, the characters and the worlds and all of that stuff are just so wildly different. And they're somehow able to just kind of pack it all in into this movie. Uh, the animation is also really good. I mean, the animation looks incredible. Um, where this is lacking is just the story. Like it's just really basic kind of bog standard, you know, what you would expect from a Mario movie. Like the, the games don't have a compelling story narrative to them so i guess in in that regard it's it is kind of uh staying true to the to the games um but uh yeah i don't know at the end of the day i thought it was it was fine i thought it was it was okay but nothing uh nothing incredible but again like if you're a Mario fan and you're looking for some nostalgia like some fan service stuff one of the things that i liked that they did in this was the score um, you know, it's your standard kind of orchestral movie score, but they folded in all of the like popular, most famous Mario tunes, like from Mario three and uh, super Mario world and all of those, like they kind of folded those into the score. So like, you'll be able to recognize like all of the different uh, level music in it, which I thought was a nice little touch and sounded really good. So I don't know. Maybe a light recommend. It's out on VOD, so just give it a look. Actually, no, I don't think it is out on VOD yet. Never mind. I think it's going to be on Peacock. Uh, it's coming to Peacock oh. um, at some point soon, if not now. Wow. Peacock. Yeah. Too many services because the movie I watch is on Showtime. Showtime. Wow. Showtime through Hulu. Got it through the Hulu. Hulu Showtime. Hulu Showtime. Bundle them up. You got to bundle Wonderful world. <laughs> Wonderful world we're living in now. <laughs> got to bundle your streaming services. Uh, I watched a love song. Max Walker Silverman. Uh, I've been meaning to see this. It was kind of on my watch list for, you know, a while. Mm-hmm. But then Ken kind of pushed me over the edge. I was like, yeah, man, you can't seem to really be into this. Yeah. I need to check this out. So me and my wife watched this and uh, I see what Ken's talking about. This movie's just fucking delightful. It's just a wonderful goddamn movie. I had such a just great time with this. Just the the vibes on this one alone. 
just wonderful. 81 minutes, super simple. It's Dale Dickey. She's got her like truck and her little mini mobile home thingy. What is it? A caravan. She's just by the lake. She wakes up in the morning, catches some crawfish. And she's just waiting for West Study to show up. And then he does. And they spend a, uh, a night together. That's it. That's the movie. That's all you need. Sometimes that's, that's all you need. That's all you need. Because it, it, it was, there was a point where I was like, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, is this all it's going to be? And then I would say like a couple minutes later, I was like, you know what? I really hope this is all it is. Because I don't want anything else. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I really appreciated the no frills, low stakes. Like I just, I didn't want like a quote unquote plot. I, yeah, I feel like there should be at least one of these types of movies a year that, that come out that just, they're just a pleasant watch. Like they, there's, they're, they're light, they're breezy. They're just, they're pleasant. Yeah. I mean, this does have it. Like it does have some twinges of sadness in it. Yeah. But just like the overall, just the, the whole atmosphere of this movie is just like perfect. Just damn near perfect. There you go. Uh, this was this Ken's number one. It was up there. I can't remember. I yeah, can't, yeah. I don't remember what what the number was, but I know it was up there for him. But I get it. I get it now. Yeah, this is on my watch list. I just I have not got around to this one yet. Uh, unfortunately, one that I did get around to was Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Uh, uh, so I liked the first Ant Man a lot. I did not like the second Ant-Man and the third Ant-Man. Um, I hated like, this is a uh, kind of, kind of garbage. It's the most generic superhero movie. Now I haven't seen the new Shazam. I heard that that one is like really bad, but, um, and I don't plan on watching that, but this one, um, I feel like, you know, th- there's, there's a couple things about Ant-Man that make it cool. The fact that he can shrink, right. And he can get tiny, and that he can make other things shrink and get big. And that was the cool part about the first Ant-Man. The fight scenes were so cool of like how you could make things small and then make them big. And like you utilize that in fight scenes. And that was like a really cool thing. And then in the uh, Captain America Civil War movie, he figured out that he could make himself big, like giant. And so that added a whole new you know, dynamic to it where he could make himself giant and basically own everything. But in this movie, the whole thing takes place in the quantum realm. So it's all just like everybody's tiny, like, and so it kind of defeats the purpose. And of course they still utilize the like shrinking stuff. Like you can get even smaller in the quantum realm, I guess. So they do try to utilize the the shrinking and growing mechanics, but um, the it just doesn't work as good um, when you are in this place that just looks like it's a generic alien world where everything's just purple and like there's some cool creature design here. Like there, there's some a lot of different like creatures but it, it seems like that this one was just trying to uh re it was just like 
using Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy as inspiration and and kind of just pull that same kind of vibe in, but it just it doesn't really work. I like that Modok was in this because he's such a goofy villain, and Corey Stoll plays Modok, which is kind of funny. Um, but I didn't like Jonathan Majors' uh, character as um, was it called the uh the um Kang Kang the Conqueror that's right um didn't particularly like his character in this and everything else was just super generic and boring like dreadfully boring so cannot recommend Ant Man and the Wasp it's exactly I think what you would come to expect with a, a Marvel movie these days like I don't know what happened but they're all just the same now they're all just so boring I heard uh, Guardians Volume Three is good but. I haven't seen that yet. Wow. Well, but hopefully it ends soon. That's all I hope. It's not going to end. It's never going to end. Because that was one of the disappointing things about I was all set up to watch Sisu in the theaters because it was playing last weekend, you know, but I didn't get a chance. So I'm like, oh, I'll see it this weekend. Well, there's no showtimes because there's 75 <laughs> showtimes for Guardian Galaxies. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is here, too. It's just like, oh, cool. Wonderful. And the thing is, I'm so burnt out on these superhero movies that I don't really want to see Guardians of the Galaxy in the theater. Like, I just don't feel the need. Even though I did like Guardians 1, and I thought Guardians 2 was okay, too. I think it's a good series. It's fun, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anything else for you? No, that's all I got. I'll just mention two other ones really quickly because they are definite avoids. One is 65, which is the Adam Driver sci-fi one where it takes place 65 million years ago where he is like a spaceman and he crash lands on earth and he's got to fight against the dinosaurs it's Mm -hmm. adam driver versus the dinosaurs i did not enjoy this at all i thought it was terribly generic um i i don't know if maybe i just wasn't in the right headspace for it but i just thought it was just so excuse me it's just so boring and and not fun at all um the set pieces were you know not even not even on the close to the same level as what we saw in like the the original jurassic park or something so i don't know it's just uh forgettable and uh can't recommend it and the last one that i'll that i'll tell people to avoid is fear this this uh amazingly bafflingly ended up in theaters earlier this year essentially tricking people into thinking that this was a movie that was worthy of being in theaters. Uh, it is not, this is directed by Dion Taylor. It's the guy who did the intruder and uh, I can't remember what else he did, but, um, this movie is absolutely complete trash. It's probably the worst, one of the worst things I've seen this year. The script is atrocious. The acting is also not very good good by anybody um the plot involves a a group of friends who this is during this is set set during covid so there's like the one of the big kind of things with this is is it's all about fears like different different fears that we have and covid play is a big uh, part of of that mm-hmm. and um like one of the things that there's like a new strain that that they that they find that that's like 
just ravaging people and we it's basically this this place that they t- that they go this hotel it's in, in in the middle of the forest or whatever and like it the hotel kind of like feeds on their fears and like tricks them into seeing things that are like their worst fears but none of it really works in, on any level. It's not scary. It's uh, there's like a lot of bad CG in this, and it's just um, it's terrible, absolutely terrible. So avoid fear. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got a couple things here. Blackberry is one of them. This is the oh, this is the comedy about the. Uh, I guess invention of the Blackberry, the the meteoric rise and catastrophic catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Directed mm-hmm. by Matt Johnson, friend of the show. I hope to be covering this next week. We also have Book Club, the next chapter. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there's uh yeah, there's that Do one. Get it? That one too. What? So they get it? the next chapter i do like it's yeah it's like a double entendre there (laughs) yeah oh man that's pretty much it for theaters on vod this week starting with the 11th we have royal teen princess margaret that's on netflix and then on the 12th we have wild beauty mustang spirit of the west Oh, yeah. I think it's a documentary. It's like a nature documentary about wild horses. But that title, man. Oh, boy. I just, I think of dream catchers. I think of wolf t-shirts. That's what I think of when I hear that title. Uh, We also have Employee of the Month. That looks like some sort of dark comedy. We got... Shabu, which is going to be on Indie Indie Picks Unlimited. Indie what now? Indie Picks Unlimited. I guess it's oh, uh, yeah. some sort of yeah. I guess it's a streaming service. Uh, this movie looks actually pretty good. It's about a fourteen-year-old Dutch Surinamese aspiring hip-hop artist. It's it's not a documentary. It's it's fiction, but it looks looks quite good. Uh, let's see. Uh, also on the twelfth, we have the mother. That's the one with Jennifer Lopez, where she plays a deadly female assassin. Do you need to say female assassin? Like, uh, why? Like, why couldn't you just say a deadly assassin, guys? Let's let's go. It's twenty twenty three here. I don't think we need to make note of the whole of the gender thing. Deadly female assassin. Oh no! Watch out. Uh, we also have Oregon Trail. Wait, like organs? Yeah, like organ. Yeah, not not nice. like the game. Yeah. Let's see what this says here. Abigail and her family fall victim to a ruthless gang while making their way across the Oregon Trail. As the only survivor, she will do whatever it takes to retrieve her one earthly possession: her family's horse. From the clutches of the bloodthirsty bandits. Hmm. I might watch a trailer for that. See if it looks any good. Like the the title, you know, like the cheeky Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. Like that makes me think that it might be, you know, kind of kind of goofy. But I don't know. Yeah. No, it makes it sound like some sort of stupid, like horror comedy. 
Yeah. It's not funny at all. So I'm wondering. We want to take a look at the trailer for that one. Uh, we also have Snag coming out on the 12th. It looks like that's about it for VOD as well. On Blu-ray this week, we got Toxic Zombies from 1980. Man, back in the day when everything was about like toxic waste, mutants, mutants and toxic waste. Hell yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have here. The Shiver of the Vampires coming out in 4K. That's from 1971. That's uh, on some sort of uh, powerhouse films. What's it called? In- Indicator series. Mm. And another one of those Indicator series releases is Two Orphan Vampires from 1997. So I guess, two? Yeah, two, two orphan vampires. Both of them orphaned. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Uh, Knock at the Cabin is coming out. Uh, House, uh, sorry, Hand of Death from 1976. That's going to be out on Arrow. Hell yeah, Hand of Death. This is a cool looking, cool looking steelbook version of Knock at the Cabin, which I quite like the cover of. Uh, the Tiger Cage Collection. This looks like it has three movies in it, maybe? I never even heard of the tiger cage series. I love it when I discover like a, a whole franchise that has like three or more movies that I literally never heard of. Like that's always kind of a fun discovery. Yeah. We have the experts from 1989 children of the corn. That's the new, the remake. That's horrible. I don't think I talk. I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but yeah, that's I horrible. Yeah. I just, I just know that you said it was horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. The sorrow and the pity from 1969 unwelcome all quiet on the western front that's on netflix if you have netflix unicorn wars unicorn wars that's yeah unicorn wars i have to look that up shout factory is putting that out looks like it's maybe animated mm-hmm. an army of bear cups train and indoctrinate young recruits for the war against the unicorns <laughs> all right huh how about that that's about it. What about Criterions? Uh, we got one, and that's Branded to Kill oh from boy. 1967. Got that new 4K. But that's been, I think this has been on uh, the Criterion for a while now. Just getting that 4K update. All right, cool. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.